Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. Hello and welcome to How to Be Fine. I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jolenta Greenberg. And today we're here with a feedback episode. That's right. Every third week, we share some of the stories you, our listeners, have shared with us about the topics we've most recently covered on the show. Because a lot of you write in and a lot of you have a really great things to say. And today, the things you have to talk about are the Duggars and ice baths, as well as some advice for our letter writers. Shall we dive in, Jolenta? Yes, let's get things going. Let's start with the Duggars. A lot of you wrote in about them, including some of you who actually grew up in the Institute of Basic Life Principles or similar organizations. Yeah, I was so excited to hear from people who actually grew up in this world. Not excited for the people who had to grow up here, but just I felt fortunate that people would actually want to share their experiences. I know. Yeah, we are very grateful. Yeah, so Susanna says... As someone raised in IBLP with 10 siblings, I thought Kristen and Jolenta covered the whole mess very succinctly, hitting the important points without allowing all the static to distract. My most pressing thoughts on Ginger's new book have to do with my discomfort that she is profiting from her posture as a self-help authority on this topic when she has such a very, very long way to travel before she is remotely free indeed to reference the title of her book. Yeah, it sounds like she moved on to a new church that is still not very free, which is sad. But I think also part of the process of like leaving a group that indoctrinates you so hard. Yeah. I also have to say I have some concerns about the fact that she kind of took her father as her headship, to use the language of the IBLP, and then her husband became her headship. And her husband moved her over into his belief system So I have to second what you're saying, Susanna, that that doesn't really sound fully like freedom to me. I'm not saying that we can't be introduced to new great ideas by our loved ones and spouses, but 
it doesn't necessarily sound like freedom to me either here. Right. It sounds like sort of just like a transference of authority figure. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to this letter writer who wanted to remain anonymous. They say, I was raised in the Freewell Baptist Church. It's not as strict as what the Duggars follow, but there are definitely elements such as women being subservient to men, strict purity rules, and so on that are similar. It was much more mild than the Duggars, but I'm still to this day recovering and deconstructing those ideas. It took lots of small steps between that church and the very progressive church I go to now. It just took time and space to feel I had enough agency to make those choices. I have a lot of sympathy for Ginger and expect she'll continue to grow and change her opinions as time goes on. Oh, I really hope you're right, anonymous letter writer. I I hope she does continue to change her ideas and maybe look at herself with more kindness and take what's hers in this world, take ownership of what power she has and so on. But this letter is a great reminder. Ginger is still in her 20s. Oh my she gosh. is still in many ways a baby. So, you know, I did not know she was that young. <laughs> yes, I know. It seems like she should be older because she's already I thought she the was like my age. Yeah, exactly. That. I thought yeah. she was like mid 30s. Yeah, she's still really young. And I just look back at myself in my 20s versus now, and I'm like, yeah, in so many ways, I was like not quite there with lots of things. So, yeah, Ginger, you still have time to grow, and we're cheering for you, hopefully to grow some more. We know you will. You will. Yeah. And also just like something I've learned from following uh, the Nexium cult deconstruction and trial is just watching all the former members, each journey to sort of self-discovery and finding your own belief system, like, really takes time. Some people realize they're in a cult really quickly, but then take a long time to sort of formulate their own beliefs. And some people take forever to realize they've been in a cult and then, like, can make their own beliefs really quickly once they snap out of it. It's just to each their own, and it's a process. And, yeah, she's so young and so freshly out of it. that like it makes me wonder what she'll say in 10 years about all this or if she'll still be with her husband or you know who knows yeah and and you're right those nexium people you're referencing some of them are twice ginger's age too and they're just coming around to some of these ideas yeah yeah now some of you have a different kind of firsthand experience with the iblp and the duggars i love this letter from sarah sarah says I didn't ever watch the Duggars TV show because I lived in Little Rock, Arkansas when Jim Bob was a state representative in the early 2000s. Periodically, he'd parade the children with their violins to the state capitol, and I had bad vibes about the parents then. I was still involved in a Southern Baptist church, but their brand of Christianity was too conservative for me. So, Sarah, I'm so glad you brought up the violins and Jim Bob being a state representative because— Jim Bob is like a lot of people in the IBLP who are men. Uh, The men are supposed to politically take back America, take Mm. care of America's morals. And the way they reached national prominence, the Duggars, was because he did parade his children out in matching clothes with their violins. And the media saw the state representative with, at that point, over a dozen children following him in matching outfits. And they thought, this seems like a good story for a reality show. Look at this guy with all these kids in their matching clothes with their violins. Yeah, then he got to promote his belief system, his cult, if you will, and also be in political power at the same time. Wow. Doing the Lord's work. (laughs) 
a lot of you wrote in to say that you're fascinated with the Duggars, but not their TV show. Jenny said, I'm not interested in watching the Duggars TV show, but I follow them on YouTube channels like Fundy Friday. As an only child with no first cousins, I find them a completely alien family dynamic to what I know. But it's not just their family size that fascinates me. It's also the IBLP, how patriarchy is weaponized in their culture, and more. They give me something specific to look at that helps me contemplate larger things in society. Oh, Jenny, I think that is such a great perspective. Mm -hmm. I I think that's why a lot of us watch the Duggars, because what's happening within their family and within the IBLP is in some ways a microcosm for other belief systems that we see throughout America. Belief systems that, you know, are misogynistic or racist or whatnot that just play out on a micro level in their world, but actually exist everywhere in Hollywood, in education, in families, everywhere. Yeah, it's so interesting. And weaponizing patriarchy is such a good turn of phrase and such a good way to describe like what is often done in these cultures. And everywhere. (laughs) Right. I was like, and in mainstream society and our current politics today. But a lot of you have complicated feelings about the Duggars, not just because of their cult and their media empire, but because of your guys' own family stuff. Yeah. Liz says, I never got into the Duggar show because my dad is one of 12 kids, and I've seen firsthand how messed up these family dynamics can be. Having children in spite of her health literally killed my grandmother. Oof. Oof. And as Ginger says in her book, That is one of the tenets of their belief system. You must have as many children as you can verbatim, even if it kills you. Yeah. Women are seen as like breeding stock for like you populating the Lord's kingdom or something, which is. Oh, absolutely. Really rough. (laughs) (laughs) It's rough. Carrie wrote in to say one of my grandmothers was the oldest girl out of 12 kids and the other grandmother was one of 14. They had to do a lot of parentification and not all of the kids turned out to be great human beings. As adults, these women chose to have only three kids and two kids respectively. And one of them, after developing Alzheimer's, said repeatedly that she never wanted kids. Oh, I feel so bad for that grandmother. I feel bad for both those grandmothers. But that one grandmother is clearly still haunted by this. Oh, that's so terrible. That's clearly one of like the fundamental things that her upbringing instilled in her. If if she's still repeating that message. Oof. Oh. Those dynamics can be so hard. And it's really hard being a kid that's relied on to raise other kids when you have not the skill set. And also, I think that leads to a lot of issues between siblings later on. Like, I've seen that happen with my own parents. Like, basically, kids who've been abandoned, like, resenting each other for not raising them well, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just such a hard dynamic when there are too many kids for two people to parent. Yeah. And the Duggars, that's something they unapologetically do is practice parentification. They have their oldest daughters take care of all the younger kids. And so what kind of childhood do those daughters get when they are essentially from the time a child is weaned, when a baby is weaned, then they're the mom now. And it's also another way to sort of start instilling those values in women and men really young. Yeah. 
switching gears, one of you wrote in with a very serious and important perspective. Uh, This letter writer also asked that we keep their name anonymous. They say, I preface this comment by sharing that I'm a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, and it's taken me a lot of therapy to have this perspective. In addition to incarceration, which is very needed, we must research and offer effective rehabilitation and treatment for the root causes of pedophilia. One thing we rarely talk about in a discussion of someone like Josh Duggar is how it's quite likely he was abused himself as a child, which led to his abusive behaviors as a way to understand what happened to him. Unfortunately, so many abusers were once the abused, but not all abused become abusers, of course. This detrimental cycle needs our empathy, attention, and resources to keep all children safe. I just want to jump in here and say no disagreement on my end here. I I don't disagree with you. And we mentioned in the episode how poorly all of this was handled. They didn't bring Josh to a real treatment facility. They pawned him off on a senior member of the IBLP who just had him do manual labor. They didn't have him treated in a way that may have stopped further abuse, but Mm -hmm. they kept it in the cult, which sadly, that's what a lot of cults do and a lot of churches do. Yeah. They end up sort of inadvertently creating like safe havens for all sorts of horrible abuse, especially abuse against women and children, because they are like inherently disenfranchised within these groups as well. Yeah. And as we said in our episode also, there was abuse from the top down, including the creators of the IBLP, including administrators. So this is not out of the question that Josh could have been abused. We don't know for sure. We have no idea if he was, but he certainly was growing up within a system where abuse was running rampant from the top down. Totally. Lastly, we need to get to this question from Dave, and it was echoed by a lot of you out there. Dave wrote in to say, I'm curious what drew Kristen to the Duggars in the first place. I'd love to hear more about how she incorporated them into her grad school studies. Oh, Dave. We all want to know, Dave. (laughs) Well, I mentioned in the past on By the Book that my master's thesis was on sex toy parties in the Bible Belt and how they perpetuate conservative family values. I may or may not have mentioned in the past that I was an associate research scholar at the Center for Religion and Media at New York University while I was getting my graduate degree. And I was very interested in looking at the ways that religion is used as entertainment, how it's used Mm. to radicalize and indoctrinate people, uh, how it seeps into or shapes government policy. And at that time, the Center for Religion and Media was founded after September 11th, in the years after September 11th, to look at a lot of those questions because radicalized religious cultures, they were on the rise. And I'm, I'm not just talking about terrorists abroad. I'm talking about white supremacy and and terrorism right here in the U.S., homegrown, patriarchal, religious abuse, and so on. So I was very interested in that. I also, full disclosure, was always fascinated with the Duggars in the early days because I thought, it seems like this family is trying to take back an imaginary, pure America and trying to reinvent it, you know, rehabilitate it from Little House on the Prairie or from the Amish world. 
And I think all listeners know of my fascination with both Little House on the Prairie and the Amish world. So I think initially that's what I was looking at. I'm like, are they trying to be Little House on the Prairie right. in the Arkansas state capitol? And so that initially caught my eye. But then I became very much more fascinated with them because they were essentially religious extremism as entertainment. Right, right. The same way Sister Wives has become. Yes, yes, exactly. So, yeah, Dave, that's what drew me to them. That's some of the other stuff that I was working on at the time. And I think that, you know, there's a lot that can be looked at in that world, not just the Duggars, but when we look at religion, society, and media. Oh, my gosh. There's a million places to go there. So, and religion and media crossover, like, more than you would think. Oh, so much. So, so much. Why don't you think about that while we take a quick break? Quick reminder, you can always share your stories with us or send us your advice questions at kristinandjolenta at gmail.com or you can chime in on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash kristinandjolenta. Coming up, we dive in to the chilling comments y'all have on ice baths. Stay with us. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back. And now, Jolenta, it's time to talk about ice baths. Burr. I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) It turns out some of you have taken ice baths, which is very exciting. Hanalisa says, I hope I'm saying your name right, Hanalisa. I'm from Finland and ice baths are just a normal thing here. We literally make holes in ice in seas or lakes in the winter and take ice baths, usually combined with a sauna, both in cities and the countryside. It is deeply rooted in our culture and even in all swimming halls, there are cold pool ice baths. It's not a wellness trend here at all. And it even sounds so funny that somewhere it is. Oh, I think that's so (laughs) true of so many wellness trends. Right? Yeah. Like when I uh, lived in India briefly in college and I would go to my yoga class in the morning and the 
people I did my yoga with and my teacher and so on, they just saw it the same way you and I might see it going to the gym in the morning. They're like, yeah, we show up in our sweatpants, we do our exercise, then we go to work. This is just exercise class. And a lot of them kind of took issue with the way Americans spiritualized it with right. our kind of, I'm just going to say it, kind of Californication sort of tone yeah, to it. Yeah, sort of adding our like woo-woo, like meditation, spirituality on top of it. Yeah, and they're like, this is just our morning exercise class. This is like... It's just like culturally what we do in the morning. Yeah, and literally we were all just like in sweatpants and t-shirts. That's all it was. Yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah, I think, Hanalisa, what you're saying is true of a lot of international traditions, probably. Yeah. Lisa Jane has also tried ice baths. She says... I had an ice bath with Wim Hof, who you mentioned, Jolenta, uh, a few years ago. The ice man. Yes. And hiked a mountain in negative 20 degrees in shorts for two to three hours. His method isn't just about the ice baths. It's about controlled hyperventilation, commitment, and nature. He even says himself that he doesn't enjoy the cold, but mentally doing something that sucks each day is great for your mental commitment. Personally, I have built an ice bath and they help me greatly. If I have anxiety, it's a way to focus on just breathing slowly and calmly as the world melts away. Our lives are so cozy now. We have air conditioning, heaters, cars, TVs, etc. that many don't push our bodies out of our comfort zones enough. Ice baths are quick and easy to do. And if you live in a cold place, they're also free. Personally, I love them. I do love that they're free if you live in a cold place. Both of my parents come from the Midwest, Kristen, as you know, and mm -hmm. they they used to tell me stories about jumping in a lake when you make a hole and then like running in and going in someone's shitty basement sauna and yeah, the, the hot <laughs> cold. Also, I kind of wish that like on the bullet points at the very beginning of Wim Hof's website that he said that he doesn't enjoy the cold, but thinks that doing something sucks is is good for your mental commitment. Because I like that. I like that he can be like, oh, I don't find this to be like the most fun every day. Hmm. I have to say, um, and, and I'm not trying to be judgy here, Lisa Jane, but I do think it's not really true that our lives are so cozy now for everybody. A very large percentage of people in the world suffer from food insecurity. A very large percentage of people on the planet don't have air conditioning or heaters. There are people who, you know, freeze to death every year or who die in heat waves. And I, I just, yeah. So I'm, I'm not really sure that our worlds are that cozy now and that we need to necessarily, in all cases, get out of our comfort zone physically more than we're already mm. out of our comfort zones. I mean, it, I guess it depends on what our circumstances are and what our bodies are going through every day. Right. Also with our work, a lot of us who are in manual labor. Oh, um, yeah. Not cozy. <laughs> but they also might want a nice bath for like muscle soreness. Really. Yes, maybe. Although Krista says maybe not. Krista says, I used to pick up two bags of ice and fill a bathtub every day after track practice. My son's physical therapist, however, says they no longer recommend ice baths because it stops the inflammation, which is, in fact, what is needed for healing after exercise. Oh, interesting. Ooh, is inflammation part of like the muscle building process where like you have to get inflamed before it can like break down and build up or something? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know enough about this at all, Krista. 
<laughs> I don't either. I really don't. But I think it's interesting because a physical therapist, that's somebody in the real I medical world. Them. That's yeah. not just some rando on the street. Yeah. Now, some of you have not done ice baths per se, but other versions of cold water exposure. Victoria says, I started swimming in the San Francisco Bay during COVID. And while it's not technically an ice bath or a polar plunge, it's really cold in the winter and it leaves me feeling amazing. I have another friend who started just getting in the bay, not swimming like me, and he said it lowered his anxiety tremendously to get in the cold water every day. Your mileage may vary. But I get the appeal. And that bay is cold. Like the Pacific Ocean is not the Atlantic. It be colder. So colder. I would <laughs> I would consider that a polar plunge, but I don't know. Yeah. I think it's because you don't have to break through ice to go into the bay. I guess. Yeah. I guess there is no ice floating in the bay. <laughs> so it may not be technically polar. But people have been known to die of hypothermia in those waters too. Uh, yeah. And like it definitely counts as a, a shock to the system for sure. Yeah. And also I do like what Victoria has to say about like it's not about the mileage necessarily. Just popping in can help make you feel good, can help sort of reset a system in your body maybe. And you don't need to like be swimming laps. Yeah. Yeah. Anne-Marie also wrote in about something I tried back in the day. Anne-Marie says, cold showers have really improved my psoriasis. I've done cold dips in a tub and in a lake, too, and it does improve my mood. The trick is to do a 20-minute breathing meditation before the cold water dips. It does help that I'm a menopausal woman with a tropical thermostat, too. Oh, I love that last bit that you threw in, Anne-Marie. Get yes. rid of those hot flashes. Don't worry, I get them because I have lupus. So I feel you. And we don't talk about those enough in our society. I really feel like we don't talk about that enough and how that can change different wellness routines. Somebody oh, totally. who's in menopause is going to react differently to something than somebody who's perimenopausal or who's just getting their period for the first time. Like all of us are going to react differently to different things being done to our bodies. So yeah, yeah, you might go from being a sauna person to a cold shower person. Yeah. Depending on where you are physically. Absolutely. And Joe Lenta, I have to tell you that you piqued some people's interest in cold water who Ooh. maybe weren't thinking about it before in this episode. Beth says, ironically, I was skeptical of cold plunges before, but now I'm wondering if it's worth a shot. I get chronic migraines with vertigo, and though they still don't really know what causes migraines, inflammation is one of the main suspects. So if I can lower my inflammation with a cold shower or bath, it might be worth a try, especially given the last thing my doctor tried to prescribe me was $1,000 a month. No, thank you. Oof. Yeah. That'll drive you to try almost any wellness hack if you're going to have to pay $1,000 a month for something. I would try a lot of cold showers. That's like rent. I know. Gosh, that's a lot of so money. What is wrong with the medical system in America? Oh. Um, that's my new single. I love it. I love it. Downloading you. right now. Thank you. I mean, I've definitely read like anecdotal stuff just from people saying it's helped with migraines. Personally, this is like my own personal theory. I think there's probably a connection between inflammation somewhere 
and uh, migraines in some people, just considering how many inflammatory illnesses often have migraines as one of the symptoms, like from lupus to rheumatoid arthritis Mm -hmm. to like Lyme disease, all these things that we know have inflammation involved also have migraines involved. So I I know correlation is not causation, but in my mind, it is about this. <laughs> um, it, it at least means there's a chance they're in the same universe, you know? Right. And it's like, and why not give it a shot? Like, even if you can try in small ways, just just to test it out, like, I would give it a shot. Why not? Just make sure your heart's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But let's be honest. Most of you say you have no interest <laughs> in ice baths. You like your water toasty if you're plunging <laughs> in or at least like room temp. Jess said cold water causes anaphylaxis for me. So ice baths are a big no. Yes. And you mentioned this, Jolenta, in our main episode right. that if you have allergies to the cold and allergies to do the cold are real, they absolutely oh, yeah. are real. People die. Yeah. There are people where extreme hot or extreme cold makes their immune systems literally attack their bodies. So yes. do not try it. Yes. Jolenta has literally witnessed this happen to me where I have to stop recording and go to the doctor because when I didn't have AC that year of the heat wave yeah. and I was just breaking out in hives and I stopped breathing. Like, yeah, it's yeah, bad. Her body was attacking itself. Yeah, my body does not it like was too heat hot. or cold. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen her also in the winter get like a rash from going outside. Oh, yeah. It's, it's terrible. It's terrible. So, yeah, I would not plunge your whole body in if that is what happens to you. And I'm sorry if it does, because that is a yeah. shitty thing to have to contend with. Ugh, it sucks. And Simone says, I don't care what the benefits of ice baths are. This sounds extremely unpleasant, and there's zero chance of me plunging into icy water. Ah, there's the classic, why expose myself to something unpleasant on purpose argument. (laughs) (laughs) I like that argument a lot. I'm a big fan of that. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I know the experience will be unpleasant. I don't know if the outcome will be beneficial or not. So I'm going to stick with what I know. Yes. (laughs) Just avoid unpleasantness. (laughs) Carrie also wrote in with a great point. Carrie says, I spent half of our six-month-long winter trying to stay warm. None of this stuff is appealing to me at all. I'm all about a roll in the snow between dips in the hot tub or sauna. But otherwise, no thank you. More power to those of you embracing this, though. Oh, Carrie. I love that perspective. Carrie, it sounds like you could get lots of free ice baths in your in your area, too, <laughs> considering how how long and cold your winters sound. Yeah. And and your way of doing things like jump in the snow for five seconds and then go back to the hot tub. That sounds way more fun than spending 15 to 20 minutes breaking ice and then laying in the ice water for half an hour. Not my jam either. Yeah. No, not into nope. it. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we have some great ideas for our advice seekers from some of our listeners. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. 
So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All righty, we are back. And now some additional advice from all of you out there for all the folks who wrote into us in the past two episodes. Let's start with Amanda. Amanda says, per the recent listener question about shared household tasks and adulting difficulties, this is something that has helped me and my partner. We have a checklist of household tasks that need to be done monthly, quarterly, and yearly. My husband is not one to see certain things that need to be done, couch pillows and disarray, crumbs on the floor, etc., But if it's on the checklist, he gets it done. He does most of these tasks, and I do most of the day-to-day tidying. It helps us not feel resentful about shared tasks and mental load because I can see he is doing stuff on the checklist even if he is unable to notice other things that are untidy. I'm not sure if this would be helpful for a neurodivergent person or not, but it has taken these things off my mental load, and it clears up confusion about when certain things were last cleaned slash replaced. Yeah. And um, I just want to point out that Amanda even shared these checklist forms on our Facebook community so other people can see what these forms look like. I thank you, Amanda, for that. I think a lot of people will want to look at those checklist forms and maybe just print them out or maybe make their Mm -hmm. own version that's similar to yours. Totally. Yeah. So, Amanda, thanks for sharing that. And Amanda, as someone who is neurodivergent with a neurodivergent partner, we have a whiteboard that has sort of a checklist of like stuff that needs to get done that we're both like putting off. And for me, especially as someone who really responds to visual stimuli, seeing a list like really does help me remember that those tasks exist and that like I might be responsible for them. So I definitely think it can help, especially for people who are visual learners. Delilah wrote in to give some additional advice to a different letter writer. Delilah says, in response to the recent episode about how to find a therapist, I wanted to offer my perspective as someone fairly new to working in the field. I'm in California, so my advice may or may not be relevant depending on what country or state you're in. But one option is to look for a pre-licensed therapist. Depending on the state, this person could be called an intern or an associate or another term. This is someone who has completed a graduate program and is working on their hours toward licensure. They receive weekly clinical supervision from an experienced therapist. You can search for a pre-licensed or licensed therapist on many directories, including Psychology Today, Therapy Den, Mental Health Match, and more. Also, Now with telehealth, you can work with any therapist in your state, which may increase the potential number of providers you can inquire with beyond your town. This is all very good advice. Yeah. I went to someone who I think was pre-licensed in New York, and I looked for a counseling center that I knew was also a a teaching center, mainly because I needed a place with a really good sliding scale because I had no insurance at that time. And that made therapy like very accessible to me. So, yeah, I think they're called different things in different states. In some states, it's like more supervised and a little more difficult to find. But I do think it applies to more than California. Yeah. Nice. 
Up next, we have a letter from Annie for a different advice seeker. Annie says, I've been thinking about the letter writer with the family member who got a new serious medical diagnosis. As someone with a progressive chronic disease, I have experienced dealing with other people's emotions about my health. It seemed like this person was, with the best of intentions, putting their own feelings onto their family member. It's almost another way of expressing pity. The message the family member could be getting is, your situation seems so terrible to me, I can't possibly fathom how you could even attempt to look on the bright side. That's not great for morale. I think the best way to support someone who's dealing with an illness is to follow their lead about whether they want to discuss it or not. And if today is a day when they need to not think about it, respect and support that and shift the conversation to bad reality TV instead. Oh, yeah. Sometimes bad reality TV is the best thing to talk about, not one's chronic illness. Totally true. Yeah. And I I agree with following their lead while making sure they know, like, everything can be talked about with you. Like, you're a safe space. Like, you don't have to force the issue, but, like, it does help to know, like, the issue can be brought up. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Jolenta, I think you're really good at that with some tough things I've been through in life. You have not pushed me to talk about certain things if I don't want to. And I really appreciate that. And you ask after things that I maybe put some breadcrumbs out there and ask after those. So I think you're a master at this one, Jolenta. Well, I love a breadcrumb. (laughs) They're delish. (laughs) I love this letter from Kylie. We're going to end with this one. Kylie says, in regards to Great Papa's bottle of champagne Kristen mentioned, there's actually a whole holiday for this feeling called Open That Bottle Night. The holiday creator was in a similar predicament of worrying about when to open a nice bottle of wine and whether it was ever a good enough occasion to do it. He made a whole holiday to help people and himself get past their worries and just go for it. It has a bit of a The Art of Making Memories vibe. The date is always the last Saturday of February, so it has passed for 2023. But hey, it's more about the spirit of the holiday than the actual day. I did not know about this day. Kristen, as the resident person who likes made-up days, I'm surprised you didn't know about it. No, but I'm glad you brought up made-up holidays because we did a different made-up holiday to open Great Papa's Wine. Yeah? We chose March 4th. March 4th is, in many people's opinions, and by many, I mean probably dozens of people around the world do this, they choose March 4th as a day to move forward in life with something that maybe— As in you are marching forth. Yes, that's right. That's right. To move forward in something that maybe you've been stuck in or maybe take the first step toward achieving something or trying something that you've wanted to try. So on March 4th, Dean and I and our friend Paul, who is also a Kiwi, we Mm. opened the wine— We watched some music videos of either New Zealand music or of marching bands. And (laughs) and we drank the wine and just talked about our grandparents. And it was really, really nice. It was really low stakes. Like I said, we were just like watching YouTube videos. So not high stress at all. And, And it was lovely. It was really a great way to do it. And it made me think, I put way too much pressure on this wine. I never should have put that pressure on the wine. I'm glad we're enjoying it now. Oh, that's so exciting. It was great. And, you know, March 4th has passed, but, like, listeners, if you need a random date, like, my birthday's May 4th. You can just, like, open stuff up then, too. Oh, yes. (laughs) 
It's also Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. But, you know, if you need another day, why not May 4th? It's a good one. It is a good one. (laughs) It's a very, very good one. All right. That's it for this episode. We're getting distracted now just talking about birthdays. (laughs) And we need to talk about how that's it for this episode. And we also need to talk about how much we love and appreciate our production team at Stitcher. That's Nora Ritchie, Chantal Holder, and our composer and engineer, Casey Holford. We appreciate all of you so much. So true. And remember, we have an Instagram. You can see stuff that we talk about on the show there. It's How to Be Fine Pod. Look it up. And don't forget, you can write to us with comments about advice or advice questions at kristinangelinta at gmail.com. Or you can DM us on Instagram. I'll check that. Yeah. And if you haven't already, please rate and review us in your pod player. We love it when you give us stars. We love it when you just pop in a couple words like, great show. And if you haven't already, please tell a friend about the show. Until next time, I'm Jalanta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks so much for listening. Until next week, stay fine. Stitcher. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.